friends and guests, visitors and family on YouTube this morning. Um, I know that God's got a word for us today. Let me just ask this question before we pray. I know a lot of us may have received a stimulus check. Um, I'm thankful for the government for that. Uh, my father-in-law, Papa Charlie, who um, has since gone to be with the Lord, he had this expression, money cometh and money goeth. So while we're thankful for that, that stimulus is supposed to stir up or provoke or uh, quicken the economy a little bit, maybe some personal finances. But how many of you know this word of God right here is living and active? How many of you know this is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword? How many of you know the spirit of God will quicken our mortal bodies by the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead? So money may cometh and money may goeth, but this book of the law lives and abides forever, and that's the word of truth by which we preach, amen? So that's how we're going to pray this morning. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus for your word to come forth with power and authority. The apostle Paul said, my message and my preaching was not in persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and with power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. I thank you right now, Lord, that we prepare our hearts. Our hearts prepared because of worship. But now, Lord, I want to set my heart to have ears to hear. I want to set my eyes to see what the Lord would say. I want to be like Moses and turn aside to see what you will say. Then I want to have the grace, Lord God, to do what you ask me to do. By faith, I receive that. By faith, Lord, I want to receive with meekness this word, which is going to change my life. And I thank you that I don't have to leave the same way I came. I believe by faith that we as a church, corporately, and we as individually, individual families are going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and from strength to strength. So right now, I just adjust my posture of my heart, my ears, my eyes, my feet, and my hands, that there's an anointing, there's an, there's an unction on me to preach, and there's an unction on us to hear what God would have to say. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, amen. Well, this, is, this past year has been a year like no others, but I want you to know God has not been silent in the midst of it. Pastor Mark, what you said up there this morning, I said, that, that's it. We're not minimizing the chaos and the confusion and the disruption that went on in the middle of that. But I want you to know God speaks in the middle of that. He works in the middle of that. When darkness covered the earth and the earth was without form and void, the Holy Spirit spoke and God spoke and the Holy Spirit moved over the surface of the deep. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, God has a people who are going to be above reproach and we're going to hold forth and hold fast the word of life. Amen? So let's receive this word today. One of my favorite verses in Psalm 119, verse 165 says this, I rejoice at that word as one who finds a great spoil. So like a kid, when the kids were opening up, when the grandkids were opening up the gifts this past Christmas, and the kids were opening up, and they look, oh, mommy, daddy, jammy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next thing, next thing. Let's be like children, like have that childlike faith, and say, Lord, what do you have for us today? You shed your blood for us to have this word. You laid aside your Godhead privileges 
and took upon yourself the, the form of a bondservant and was made in the likeness of men. So the word was made flesh. And now he says, I'm, Paul said to the Ephesian church, I commend to you to the word, of his God, the word of God, the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you your inheritance among those who are sanctified. So I believe that Jesus is here in our midst to build us up together, to build us up individually, to build us up corporately, to build us up into a body of Christ that will love him and honor him and show forth the praises of him in the earth. Amen. Glory to God. Let's open up the title of my message right there on the screen, a threefold cord for 2021. The scriptures say in Ecclesiastes chapter four, go ahead, turn there. It's going to come up on the screen. It says this, though one man may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily or quickly broken. Now Solomon was talking about the work ethic of a team. That, you know, if you're by yourself, you know, you can be easily overpowered. Two are better than one, but a threefold cord is not easily broken. That principle of threes in the Bible is seen in different areas. We know that Jesus was raised on the third day, right? We know that, that the corn was first a blade, then the year, then with the full head within the year. We know that when you plant a seed, it comes forth some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. The tabernacle in the Old Testament had the outer court. That was great. It had the inner court. That was wonderful. But I want you to know it was the Holy of Holies where the glory and the presence of God dwell. So the number three represents divine completeness or divine wholeness. That which is working in unity and harmony. Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And of his fullness we have all received. So that number three, what Solomon is talking about here is that anytime there's three things that are working in harmony, there's a sufficiency, there's a superiority, there's an effectiveness that will be much stronger rather than had it been or two or one by itself. And I want you to know this word of the Lord right here is superior. Amen. That means its authority is above all else. That means it's sufficient. That means it's all sufficient. Amen. There's nothing that it lacked. There's nothing that, oh, did the cross cover that? Let me go see if the, everything, every condition of man, every mental illness, every physical disability, every broken heart or wounded heart or touched mind, everything that caused depravity in man was covered by the sufficiency, the superiority, hallelujah, and the supremacy of the word of God. Amen? And that's the word which has been given to us today. So notice this. We're going to be talking about this morning this threefold cord. And I felt the Lord spoke to me during the week as I was preparing for this message that he renews and reminds us of his covenant in this past year just as he did in the Old Testament. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says, the things which were written in earlier times were written for our instruction." So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said, all scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable. That means it's going to produce fruit. It's going to produce a profit. It's going to be profitable for doctrine or teaching. 
correction, reproof, and training or instruction in righteousness. What for? So that the man and woman of God can be equipped and thoroughly furnished adequately and perfect in every good work. It's not just talking about ministry. It's talking about ministry as a husband and a father, as a wife and a mom, as a daughter and a son, as an employee or an employer. Amen? As brothers and sisters, how do we conduct ourselves in families? This scripture, again, is sufficient, supreme, and, hallelujah, superior in every area of life. And he said, in the Old Testament, there were things that were written for our instruction. And, I, and the, what the Lord was speaking to me is that there were two reasons, where two places in particular, where God revealed or said to himself, and reminded them about his covenant. The first place was for Abram, when he was called Abram, before he was called Abraham, while he was in a season of waiting. And the second time, another place, not just the second time, but another place where God reveals, renews, and reminds his people about his covenant is when people are in transition. And if last year included a time of waiting and a time of transition, it was a year like no other. Whether we were waiting for the COVID thing to pass, whether we were waiting for the, uh, the restrictions to be lifted, okay? Transition in government, transition in, in restrictions on the church, waiting to come back to church to, to celebrate and to, to worship together. It was filled with times. Let's learn today what God did to Abram before his name was changed to Abraham, what God did in the children of Israel through Moses to see how it can benefit us today. The first scripture I want you to turn to is found there in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Lord Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Think about this. When Abram got that, the first word that he got, the first time he got the covenant was when he was 75 years old. Then 13 years after that, Abram was getting a little antsy. He was getting a little impatient. And he said, well, I guess we better you know, have Hagar come and maybe the promise will come through him. God said, no, it's not going to come through the servant. It's going to come through your son. So it wasn't until 25 years after that original promise came that God renewed his covenant and he said to Abram, I am the Lord God Almighty. And that's what God's trying to say to us. When we're in the midst of waiting, when we're in the midst of growing impatient, he's saying to us, I am El Shaddai. I'm the God who's more than enough. I'm the all-sufficient one. I'm the supreme provider. I am the most high God. I'm the almighty God. There is no higher God. There is no other God. There is no other rock like our rock. There's no rock like our redeemer, hallelujah. And he's reminding us that he wants us to take that, that truth of who he is, and remind us of that. And just remember, this is not a one-time deal where we say, oh, I got that. And now we move on. I'm a PE teacher by profession. And I want you to know, preschool kids, not preschool, but elementary school kids think they know everything. Now, I've been teaching for a long time. And they think they know more than me sometimes. 
But I got to tell them, okay, well, okay, I know you know how to do that, but can, maybe you can learn something from me, okay? God's not telling us to remind them ourselves who he is for his benefit. He's saying that for our benefit. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, when he was talking to Moses, Moses said to the children of Israel, remember the Lord your God, for it's he that gives you power to obtain or to receive wealth. For what reason? So that he could establish his covenant. Anytime the Lord wants to renew or remind or give us a remembrance about who he is, that's because he just doesn't want us to know his covenant up here. He's about to reveal his covenant. He's about to establish his covenant. He's about to make good on his promises. Amen? Psalm 89 verse 14 said, God will not violate his covenant. He will not alter the utterance of his lips. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and shall he not make it good? So when God said to Abram, I am El Shaddai, he said, I'm dispelling all the lies and the doubt and the unbelief and the wavering in your mind of you trying to execute a work of the son after your own flesh. When God says to us, when Jesus comes to us in the night watches of the night, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm your good shepherd. I'm the head of the church. I'm the Lord Advocate General of the church. I'm the mediator and the guarantee of the new covenant. He's not just speaking a teaching so we can stick it on our forehead and say, oh, look what I know. I know who Jesus is now. Amen? But the same God who spoke light in the darkness... The same Lord who spoke to our hearts and shone in us the light of the glorious gospel when we got saved and delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. He wants to shine the light in our hearts so we can get a revelation of who he is. And then he's going to be the lamp unto my feet. And then he's going to be a light unto our path. And he's going to lead us through the darkness. And he'll lead us beside still waters. Hallelujah. To God. Hallelujah. So in the midst of waiting, anybody been waiting lately? Anybody still waiting for something? Amen? Well, he's saying to us today, I am El Shaddai. I am the Almighty God. I'm the Most High God. There's no God like your God. There's no rock like your rock. There is no other higher authority than the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. As for me, so that first chord is God reminding us who he is. Sometimes he'll do it with a whisper. Sometimes he'll do it as the voice of many waters. Sometimes he'll do it like the voice of mighty thunderings. Hallelujah. Sometimes he might do it with just that still small voice. Because sometimes we look for God in the earthquake, we look for God in the mountains, we look for God in the fire, we look for God in the winds, and he's not there, but he's there in that still small voice. And even this morning here during worship, during worship and the flow of God's spirit, he's speaking to our hearts, and he wants us to be sensitive to that voice so that the voice of the stranger we will not follow. And how many of you know there's a lot of voices out there but God is not silent and his whisper his whisper 
can be louder than all the distractions and the diversions of network news, of cable news, of newspapers, and even all the pundits and the, and the prognosticators. God's still small voice is where he speaks. The second scripture in Genesis chapter 17 is from verse 4. Look what it says. As for me, this is God talking to everyone. As for me, my covenant is with you. He's saying, as for me, all that I have, all that I can do, all that I own is operating on your behalf. And I'm bequeathing it to you. I'm granting it to you that you would be a steward over that just as Abram was a steward over that covenant. We are stewards and able ministers of the new covenant. Amen. And he said, I am going to work that out on your behalf. God was revealing that to Abram in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. How does that work out in the New Testament? Well, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22, that Jesus is the guarantee or the surety of the new covenant. That we have a better covenant built upon and established upon better promises. Well, what does that covenant have to do with us? Well, this book is divided into two sections, right? This over here is the Old Testament. This part here is the New Testament. Well, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 that God made Jesus heir of all things through whom he made the world. And he is the radiance of God's glory. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 that if we belong to Christ, then we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen? So we become a partaker of the inheritance of God through Abraham's seed because we're in one with Christ. Now that's the good news, but let me give you some better news. If you had a rich uncle or a rich aunt and you were on their last will and testament, they would have to pass away in order for that testament to be inactive. Amen? Well, I want you to know, geez, the Bible says that without the death of a testator, the testament is not in effect. Well, I want you to know that Jesus died, shed his blood, amen, to pay the price for that covenant. He was raised from the dead through the blood of the everlasting covenant. God raised him from the dead, seats him at the right hand of the throne of God, where he ministers as the righteous one of God, whoever lives to make intercession. He's the surety and the guarantee and the apostle and high priest of our confession. So when we pray, he watches over the word, like Jeremiah said, to perform it, glory to God. Amen. Amen. God raised him from the dead to probate his own will. And they're saying, I just want to remind you of not only who I am, but what I've done and what I'm doing in the earth today. What's Jesus doing on the throne? It might look like it's chaos down here. And again, we don't minimize that at all. That should be an unction and the thing that constrains us. Paul said that it's the love of Christ that constrains us. This world is lost and dying and going to hell in a handbasket. And they need to hear the good news of the gospel. How shall they hear upon whom and they have not believed? How shall they believe without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? How beautiful, how lovely are the feet of them that preach the glad tidings and the good news of peace. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God's saying, I'm reminding you of this because of who I am. I'm reminding you of this because of what I'm doing. And I'm reminding you of this 
to give you an unction to do it because this word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's quick and powerful. It divides asunder the soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Jesus said, my seed, it's the, the seed is the word of God. I want you to know, we're going to scatter. We're going to sow bountifully. Some may get it in the stony ground. Some may get it in the thorny ground. Some may get it in the hard ground. I want you to know, but some are going to get it, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. And I believe in the last days, God is looking for those that say, Lord, I've got 30-fold, but I want 60-fold. I've got my 60-fold, but I want to get 100-fold. It's the Word of God that lives and abides with us. Amen? And it's not producing the fruit for us to heap upon ourselves, but it's to produce fruit that comes from the life of Christ. And when people see that we abide in Him, Jesus said, herein is my Father and my people glorified, my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you prove to be my disciples. He's reviewing this with us for our benefit. He's telling us what he's going to do because of what he's about to do. In John chapter 6, when they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, where are we going to get food for them to eat? God told Philip, you know, well, there's a little boy over there. Where, you know, what he said, well, he's only got couple of loaves and some fishes. And the Bible said that Jesus asked him this, testing him because he knew what he was about to do. So when the Lord asks us, when, see, when he's saying, I'm going to give you the two parts, I'm going to give you the 30, I'm going to give you 60, but I'm going to tell you where the hundredfold is going to come. I'm going to tell you that I'm El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. I want to tell you that I'm a covenant-keeping God, that I cannot lie, that what I said will come to pass. What I spoke, I'll make good. Amen? But now he's going to say something else. Go to Genesis chapter 17. Glory to God. Oh, Jesus. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant. Now notice this, don't lose sight. God said, I'm El Shaddai. I'm, I'm El God, I'm Almighty God. I'm El Shaddai. There's nobody higher than I. Then he said, as for me, I'm going to keep this covenant. I got this. I got you. Now he's saying, now as for you. And that's what I hear the Lord saying to us. As for us now, as for Abraham, you shall keep my covenant. And you and your offspring after them throughout all their generations. Thank you for working with me, Terry. You could put up that, um, that next scripture as well. When God spoke, to Abraham, and God spoke to Moses. Moses spoke to the people of Israel. He said, now hear, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go and possess the land which the Lord your God of your fathers is giving you. God did the hard part. I'm El Shaddai. I'm in heaven. I'm sitting on the throne. I hold the heavens and the earth and the stars in my hand. I'm a keeper of covenant. All that I have is thine. Now as for you, that's what he said to Abram. That's what he said to Moses. So the first chord 
was God reminding us of who he is. The second chord is reminding of us that he's a covenant-keeping God about his faithfulness, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lamentation says this, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And that third chord is this. You ready for this? The third chord is God reminding us we have a responsibility to play. But I want you to know this. Listen to me. Be, oh, that's, that's too much. I don't know if I can handle Obedience? I don't know. We got, that's, a, that's a strong word. You mean there's stuff expected of me? Listen, let's get the world standard, the world idea, carnal thinking, cultural thinking, and rebuke that right now. The king says, I'm the king. He says he's King Jesus. And it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And he says, I'm going to invite you. You're my co-laborers. I've called you by name. You're, you're my family. You're my sons and daughters. Now I'm going to call you to be my laborers together. Now I'm going to call you. Now, now we, gotta, we got some work to do, but I'm going to entrust you. I'm going to cause you to be a steward, and I'm going to entrust you with the glorious riches of my inheritance in the saints. So when we realize that who he is and what he does, and when he commands and requires obedience, with the request comes the ability to do it. Because how does he convey his will to you? Through the word. And the word is a seed. And the seed that's, in the, that's sown in a good heart is going to bring forth some 30, 60, 100 fold. Isaiah 55, 11 says this, that his word will not return void. It will accomplish what he pleases and it will prosper in the thing whereto he sent it. So when we talk about God speaking to Abram in the midst of waiting and God speaking to Moses during times of transition, think about this. Moses, God gave the word to Moses but because Moses, there was a transition. Moses was going to transition and pass the baton to Joshua. Moses was not going to enter into the land. So there were two generations. The former generation, because of their doubt and unbelief, that were not going to go into the land. Then there was the Joshua generation who said, we're well able to go up and to possess the land. There were 12 spies that went out. Ten of the twelve said, oh, what are we going to do? There's giants in the land. We're as mere grasshoppers in their sight. Not only that, I look at myself and I think I'm a grasshopper. There were two that were named Joshua and Caleb that said, our God, we're able to go up and possess the land. Hallelujah to God. There was a man named Nehemiah that said, by our God, who's strong and mighty and terrible, we are able to build up the walls of Jerusalem. So that transition that was going on in the book of Deuteronomy from old generation to new generation, generation of doubt and unbelief, generation of fear, generation of walking by sight, generation of walking by faith. God brought them out of Egypt, but God said, I'm going to bring you into the land that's flowing with milk and honey. In the desert, 
they ate manna. Thank God for the manna, amen. But I want you to know God said in that land, hallelujah, you're gonna cultivate faithfulness. You're gonna dwell in houses that you're gonna build. You're gonna eat from the land that you're gonna, they ate from the milk and honey, hallelujah to God. So there was always a transition that was going on. There was a transition from being carnally minded to being spiritually minded. Transition from going to be walking by sight and walking by faith. Transition from trying to fill old wineskins to God saying, ooh, I got some new wineskins here. And these wineskins that are old and brittle, that are going to resist change, that are going to just kind of stiffen up and be inflexible to the moving of God's spirit, I want you to know God says transition is coming. And Mark, when you said that, bro, this morning about during, during this past March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, it's 10 months. I know there's been disruptions in every sphere of society here in America and throughout the globe. We, 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 we got it good compared to a lot of people. So I'm not minimizing that at all. But I want you to know in the midst of that, that's where he renews his covenant. In the midst of that, that's where he says, I'm El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. In the midst of that, he says, I'm a covenant-keeping God. In the midst of that is where he says, I'm reminding you about what I'm about to do, and I'm going to use you. I'm going to use us to do that. Pastor Mark, I'm going to ask you to come this morning. You say, what obedience, as Pastor Mark's coming, I don't have this on a slide, but write this down. Here's the four R's of obedience. The four R's of obedience. I'm going to start from the bottom. Number four. The fourth R of obedience is recompense. That means I obey so I don't get punished. You just wait till your father gets home. Oh, that's good. I mean, I'm going to obey now. Or we could say recompense is the lack of reward. So I want to obey God because... He's, he's a, not a, I'm not sure, sure if I, what the punishment is going to be if I don't obey him. That's the lowest form of measure of obedience. The next one, number three, is for reward. That's not a bad thing. I, I want to get rewards. One day we're going to stand before the, the Bama seat of Christ. We're going to have to give an account for the works that were done in the flesh. We're going to receive rewards from that. But you know what? Probably there's probably less than 1% of people are thinking about that. They're thinking about here and now. I got to get through today. I got to get groceries on the table today. They're not thinking about their eternal rewards. Number two, respect, reverence. I'm going to obey God because he's, he's the creator. I'm going to obey God because he holds the heavens and the earth. I'm going to obey God because he numbers the stars and names them and sets them in the heavens. But listen to this. The first reason why we should obey is relationship. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I'm convinced that the church corporately and us as members of God's family, not just here in Loxahatchee, but globally of every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation, the church of Jesus Christ that means brothers and sisters in Asia, South America, Africa, the far east, Eastern Europe, the seven continents of the globe. 
the church, the body of Christ is in transition. And he's saying, the Lord Jesus, I'm the Lord. I'm the head of the church. I'm the apostle and high priest of your confession. I'm the mediator of the new covenant. And if Proverbs 21 and 1 says that the Lord holds the hearts of kings in his hands like channels of water and he turns it whichever way he wishes, if he holds their hearts in his hand, how much more, Isaiah said, are we graven in the palm of his hand? God didn't bring them out of Egypt to leave them bringing, wandering in the wilderness. He brought them out that he might bring them in. But this period of time here is where they had to overcome. Joshua was a great leader, but because that even that generation refused to drive out the Canaanites and the giants in the land, because they refused to thoroughly and properly train their children in the next generation, one of the most fearful verses in the Bible is found in the book of Judges where it says there arose another generation that knew not the Lord. I've, I know in my heart that we've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. One of the, one of the aspects of transition is opening our eyes from becoming church attenders to being members of his body as lively stones being built up into a spiritual house. Not becoming spectators, but becoming participators. And this morning, that was just a, a small sampling of the Holy Spirit movement. Would you stand together with me this morning?